thank you for letting me be here. I'm really excited. I feel that I'm sort of under the perfect storm right now where I can do my job and make an impact in my district. First off, I was a teacher for 12 years before I went into this role. So I know the perspective of a teacher and I know this perspective of the student. And then I have two children, one that's in kindergarten, which I cannot believe kindergarten, and the principal and her teacher make their money uh, because of her, they call it leadership skills. Um, but then I have a fourth grader who's the opposite perfect angel that sits there and if he does anything wrong, he's scared to death when he gets home. So I do know that perspective as well as being a parent of having children in a school district right now. And then, my wife always gets mad when I say this, I am actually married to the enemy. My wife is a private school teacher in Dallas. However, she doesn't know I steal so many secrets of how to bash them coming and taking our kids. So that is my perspective. Um, and that's sort of how I think I can help you out on this topic of content marketing. And before I start this presentation, I want to warn the people on the front row, I like to move around and sometimes I get very, very excited. So have you ever been to SeaWorld and they have like the, the rose taped off where it says Shamu Splash Zone? Be careful because you never know there might be just a little bubble or something you know, flying your way. I do get very, very excited. So uh, be very, very careful if you're on the front row. Um, but I always start every presentation the same way and I show a video. Some of you are going to recognize this video. Some of you are not. Some of you might have had TBS back in the 80s and 90s and recognized this. It's still on today if you watch TV Land, but one of my favorite shows of all time. The Andy Griffith Show. Starring Andy Griffith. With Ronnie Howard. Also starring Don Knotts. Brought to you by Hoax. The cereals that start your day a little bit better. Hoax. All right, Andy Griffith was the number one television show back during the 60s, especially in that time period of 67, 68, 69. Number one show of all time during that time period. And if you can believe it, almost 50 million, million people watch that show on a weekly basis. So when someone advertised like Post, people were gonna run to the store and buy Post cereal. They didn't have the internet to check to see if Post was healthy. They didn't have, you know, their friends to, you know, they saw it on TV, this new invention, this box on, from any Andy Griffith show, and they ran out and bought Post cereal. But what I really wanted to show you that commercial for was because during the 1960s, education was completely different. People woke up every morning, the students, they got out of bed, and they skipped uphill both ways, right, and, and skipped to their school, and they were very excited and super positive about going to their neighborhood schools. However, now, people aren't as excited to go to their neighborhood schools. 
We have private schools. We have charter schools. We have online classes. I'm a nerd. I watch CNBC in the morning to look at the stock market. There are actually online schools advertising during CNBC in the morning on a national news network to convince kids in public schools to go online because it's a safer environment. You'll get more rigorous curriculum. You'll get your job done faster. So we are under attack. My school district has six to seven charter schools within just our school boundaries. And they know exactly what they do. They're doing, they put it near the lowest performing schools and tell their parents, that the, you know, this is the most rigorous curriculum. Get out of the public schools, come to our schools. We are being attacked. So as a great poet once said, Come gather around people wherever you're on. And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone Or the times And that's my favorite line You better start swimming or you're going to sink like a stone if we don't start doing things differently, if we don't start doing things to market our school district and invest in marketing, I say invest, invest in marketing, then we're going to be in some big trouble because these charter schools have millions of dollars of budgets. These online classes obviously have millions of dollars of budget to be able to advertise. We have to start marketing, but there's ways we can do it without breaking the bank. But let me show you a little bit about why traditional marketing might not be the best route to take when you're trying to develop a campaign for your district. So this is TV again, and I know a lot of us don't advertise on TV, but you'd be surprised in the Dallas area how many do. Um, but if you look at this graph, this sort of gives you a relationship of the fragmented market that is happening each year as we go on um, and we go into the future. So right up here, the Fonz, in the 70s, late 70s, sort of the last golden age of television, the Fonz was pulling in about 32 to 33 million people a week. Still, you know, really, really good. Then what happens when we get to the Cosby age? A little invention called the VCR starts becoming popular in homes. So Cosby, you notice how I put Rudy up there and not Bill. Um, Rudy was only pulling in about 25 million people a week. So a drop. Why? Because people were starting to watch stuff on their VCR. People were starting to get busy. Then the expansion of cable and some, you know, the internet started to appear. So Seinfeld during the late 90s, number one television program, but only pulled in about 20 million a week. So you can start seeing the drop. Then we start getting the big drops when social media started appearing and Netflix down here for the NFL and you could see the drops. Uh, American Idol was about 15, 16 million people a week and now football, the number one show, sort of depending on what team is playing, but is pulling in about 12 to 13 million people a week of viewership. So you can see the decline. We are in a fragmented market. We are losing viewers and that does not just mean in TV. The newspaper industry is dying. People do not read the newspaper anymore. 
We can't advertise in the newspaper and think we're going to reach the people that we want to reach, especially the young people. And everyone always says, but we're about to do a uh, referendum or a bond election, and all of the old people still read the newspaper, so we have to advertise in the newspaper because they won't vote for our initiative because they all read the newspaper and they don't do anything else. All right, you're offending my dad. My dad was a loyal newspaper reader his whole life, and now he does it on the iPad, his iPhone, and he's 67, 68. He is not reading the newspaper from cover to cover. He still gets like the Thursday and the Sunday edition, but he reads the articles he wants to reach. Our mind has been trained now with our smartphones to read what we want to read. We don't skim from front to cover the newspaper. They're not going to see our ads. Billboards, another big district initiative, putting up billboards. Well, if Minnesota is anything like Dallas, here's what Dallas drivers look like when they're driving. <laughs> then they try to put in their makeup, and they're talking like this. Can you believe she did that? And I cannot believe that da, 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 da. they learned that from Kim Kardashian, but the little trick is that the only reason Kim started talking like this is so the television crew could hear her conversation on the phone. It's not because she thought it was cool, but all these people think it's cool now to talk like Kim Kardashian on their phone, and they don't even look at the road, let alone looking at the billboards. So they're driving past your billboards having no clue what is up there. Unless you have some phenomenal billboard, you're not gonna see a return on the investment that you can do in other places. And then the car radio. I don't know of anybody out there, but I listen to podcasts, Spotify, and when I do listen to sports radio, I have two sports radio stations in Dallas. When they go to commercial, I switch to the other sports channel. I am not listening to commercials. I have no clue what they're saying in between commercials. Because if I do keep it on the commercials, what do we do? We go to our phones and text our people, even though we're not supposed to when we drive. So it's getting crazy out there. Traditional media is probably not going to be the way to go. But however, the problem that we run into is a lot of our board members think that is the correct way to go. So it's very hard to battle with your board members but I always try to remind them the return on investment, return on investment, return on investment. And then last about traditional, one of my favorites is the Tuesday folder that goes home with your kid or the Tuesday newsletter. So I don't know about you, does anyone have kids? Okay, so this is what my kid's Tuesday newsletter looks like when it comes home. Step it in here. Uh -huh. Do it a little fast, I'm going like this, I'm doing a wrestling move on top of it. And then it comes back and then they think, oh, okay, I'm gonna put this in my backpack. So they crumble it up, stuff it in the bottom of their backpack, and then we find it next year when they're in the next grade level. <laughs> and we have no clue what's going on week to week in the school that wasn't for our email newsletter or our social media blasts. So uh, traditional media is pretty much dying a slow death. If you look at this chart, I know it's a little bit hard to see, but 
The ones in the red are some more of the traditional advertising, and this is all about return on investment. What are you gonna get the most out of when you invest in marketing? And if you look right here, newspaper. When I first came onto my district, they did a ad in the Dallas Morning News, not even just our local newspaper, the Dallas Morning News every week, spending thousands of dollars every week. I was like, oh no, we're, <laughs> we're cutting that. And it took a little while to convince the board, but we cut those newspaper ads. It cost $32 to reach 1,000 people with a newspaper ad. But if you drop down uh, magazines, radio, it gets a little bit smaller. But if you start looking at Google AdWords, $2.75 to reach 1,000 people. LinkedIn ads, 75 cents to reach 1,000 people. And then my favorite, of course, because it's now Facebook, Instagram ads, 25 cents to reach 1,000 people. So if you just go to your board members alone and say this, that's powerful. That's really, really powerful. Why in the world, you can say these exact words, why in the world would we spend $32 to reach 1,000 people when we can go here and reach 1,000 people for 25 cents and with a newspaper, you're reaching those 1,000 people that might have no clue or have no desire to even interact with your district. But with Facebook ads and social media ads, you can hyper-target those people and drill down and find all the parents that have elementary school kids, that might have just moved into the area. There's some powerful, powerful tools on social media where you can avoid just the throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping to hit one of your uh, people that you're trying to get into your school district. But with social media ads, you can really, really hyper-target those people and make an impact and make a difference with your dollars. So I always tell people, you know, it's unhappy days for traditional media. Unhappy days, yours and mine, unhappy days. So uh, you're basically throwing your money down the drain when you're doing newspaper ads, billboards, when you're uh, trying to put stuff on the radio. You're basically throwing money down the drain. You're not putting a correct return on investment on your money. So why is that? Why, why do not people look at traditional media anymore? What has killed sort of the traditional game plan that school districts are so used to? Well, first off, people are zombified. Everything they do, they are in the moment of something else on their phones, on their laptops, when they're watching a show, especially when a commercial comes on, they're gonna to go to the bathroom. <laughs> they, they are just out and they are not going to even focus on ads. They want to do other things. They're multitasking. It might not be a multitasking that's gonna get you ahead in life, but uh, it's definitely you know playing games on their phone, texting their friends, or like my wife and I, when she's sitting on one side of the couch, I'm on the other, we text to see how we're doing uh, when, we're watching, when we're watching a show. But people are zombified. Even the biggest game of the year, where some people just watch it for the commercials, the Super Bowl, you go by the water cooler the next day and people are talking about their favorite ads, they're like, 
oh yeah, I really love that one where the Clydesdale kicks that football through the upright, and then at the very end, all the football players drink that beer. Yeah, I, I just really think that was just a great Target commercial. I was like, you don't even know what business is representing the commercials. You're looking at an entertainment value. Of course, that's a Bud Light commercial, uh, Budweiser, but um, people don't really pay attention to the meanings and the, what the ads are trying to say. So we're zombified. Number two, they do not trust you. They trust their friends. They trust their family. They trust Kylie Jenner on Instagram. But they do not trust you because everything, every piece of information is out there right now. Schools have to be transparent. If you're bragging about, oh, we have the top gifted program in Minnesota, well, someone could go online and call you out if you do not have the top gifted program in Minnesota. They trust these review sites, these great schools, because they think they have some great equation that's building this you know, review for your uh, school district or your schools, but they don't trust you. You have to gain that trust, and that's what I'm going to talk about today is gaining trust. But it's very hard to gain trust especially with traditional advertising. And then let's face it, we hate advertising. We cannot stand advertising. We go to the bathroom during advertising. We go get food, the queso bowl during advertising. We even have billion dollar industries that erase commercials, DVRs, TiVo, Netflix. We don't want to see ads. We definitely don't want to see ads where we've seen ads 50 times when we keep getting bothered by the same ad. We do not want to see traditional advertising. You have to do things differently. And then the last reason is, especially with a younger generation, is the digital crack brick um, of the phone. People are preoccupied. They are not looking at traditional media. They're finding their information online, with their smartphones, through their apps. They're on Twitch. Has anyone ever heard of Twitch? I think this is gonna be the next powerful, powerful platform that your school districts need to be on. It's basically a video game platform that people watch other people play video games. But here's the stat that is crazy that I really think this is gonna be to your advantage and you start looking in advertising on this platform or even creating your own content is that a 15 to 35 year old spends an average of 20 hours a week watching this content. 20 hours a week. They still have to sleep, they still have to go to school, they still have to go to work. 20 hours a week of watching other people play video games. It's huge. This is actually owned by Amazon, go figure. Um, this was bought a couple years ago. It's called Justin TV a long time ago, but they put everything from Minecraft to Fortnite to League of Legends on this. They even have channels called IRL, and this is where maybe you can come in and help your district. It's called In Real Life, where people just post like podcast, video cast, things like that on there, and they have like little shows on there, and those are really, really popular. So to tell you a little bit about how we're gonna use Twitch in our school district, 
we're actually developing competitive video game teams at the high school level. We're doing League of Legends, but we're working with partnership with the universities to provide scholarships because now SMU, UTD, University of Dallas, uh, University of North Texas are all offering video game scholarships for kids to be on these competitive video game teams. So we're gonna do that, we're gonna have our own Twitch channel of our kids competing in these competitions that they're doing. So Twitch, it's really, really big. Of course YouTube, we all go to YouTube. They're going there to watch my little girl, her favorite thing to do is to watch other people play with dolls. Elsia and Anya. That's the spinoff of Frozen created by this mom and her daughter. She watches it. She gets there on YouTube and watches that. And so do our teenagers. They're on there watching all of these platforms like Stampy, uh, Squid, uh, Ninja. Uh, they're all out there. They are not looking at traditional media. They are all online. And then, of course, Netflix. Raise your hand if Netflix is your main source of entertainment rather than your TV, your basic channels and TV. Look around the room. That is crazy. People do whatever they can. They like Netflix because there's no commercials. They like Netflix because they can binge the whole show rather than wait until the next week. That's huge. And I go back to YouTube because there's been a massive, massive shift in the way people are getting information. We are not going to the schools to get the information as much anymore. We are not thinking, you know, oh, I live in the neighborhood, I'm gonna to go to this school. We get as much information as possible before we make a decision. We go on YouTube, we demo cars that we're gonna use. We might look at the content of the school, what do the conditions look like in the school. They might not even be watching because you put on some fine arts extravaganza inside your school. They might be looking like, Oh yeah, look, there's a leak in that panel up there. They're looking to find out information about your schools and they're going to non-traditional places. YouTube is powerful. I bought, basically bought my new car by looking on YouTube and Googling all the reviews for it. Didn't really go in, I test drove it once, but I didn't go in and talk with the dealership multiple times. I went online, saw it being driven on YouTube and how they looked at all the different specs. And then I also went to Google and looked at all the reviews and I basically bought a car without even stepping foot in a dealership. Some of your parents might be doing the same thing with your schools. You need to really know what your content is doing out there and where it's going. I'll tell you a story very, very quickly about the impact of YouTube and how it's really Im it impacted my life and how I sort of realize now, wow, parents are doing this. Um, so my first kid was born. He is about to turn 10, so it was sort of the start of YouTube. And my wife and I were getting ready to go, and the nurse comes in and goes, congratulations, you guys get to go home today. And we were like, look at each other, finally we get to go home, we get to take our kid home. This is such an exciting time. She goes, now, by hospital policy and state law, the nurse is not allowed to put the little baby in the car seat. So I'm going to go clean up your son, and I'm going to bring him back, and you guys are going to put him in the car seat, and you're going to be ready to go. Are you so excited? We're like, yeah. And then... She walks out of the room, I'm like, Amy, Amy, Amy. She's like, what? I go, pull up YouTube. How do you put a kid in a car seat? <laughs> so we had practiced on stuffed animals, but now this was a live, my first son, a live person that we had to transport home 
in a car and to be safe. So we looked up on YouTube of how to strap a kid in the car, where to put the little strap. Does it need to be around the chest? Does it need to be a little bit lower? How tight does it need to be? We watched that video before the nurse came back in and we were pros. So people are going to these platforms to figure things out and look for information. And then of course Google. What's the one thing we don't know, if we don't know something about, what do we say? Google it. Google it. Parents, Google your schools. Parents, Google your school district. They might go to Google Maps and see a laundromat disco, but that's a shout out to the guys I was talking to yesterday about um, the hijacking of the Google Maps. Um, but they are looking at the reviews when they Google you from Google Maps has reviews, the star reviews. They're going to great schools. They're going to see what pops up first on that SEO. Is it your school district or is it great schools giving them reviews? You need to be very, very careful. And of course, all the online forums that Google can produce, all the things that are out there, people are gonna find out information about your school that you didn't even know. And they're gonna find the parents that are telling it how it is or maybe how they think it is in your schools. So what if Google just one day just went away? What if it just disappeared? Well, think about this. In August two, 2013, this is a long time ago, so it's this number is probably even higher. Google actually did go down at 11.47 p.m. So a lot of people were probably in bed. But 11.47 p.m., Google went down for five minutes. It came back up at 11.52. And the study from the internet, the people that study the traffic, internet traffic dropped by 40%. People use Google. How are you perceived on Google? Just be very, very careful about the content you're creating and how you're being represented out there. And that YouTube and Google have really shifted how parents interact and how parents find their information. The parents and community and the consumer is in control. You are no longer in control. You can no longer put out information out there that's not gonna be scrutinized, that's not gonna be tested, that's not gonna be need to be transparent because parents are in control. They can find out whatever they want on Google and YouTube. So you have to be prepared for that to be your district in a good light. And that's why, finally getting to it, why content marketing is so important. And that's what I'm gonna talk about today. I really wanted to emphasize though, before I get started in this, how traditional media is really not serving your best interest. And that the power of the consumer is not allowing you to put out some content that's gonna be, make an impact anymore. You need to find ways that you're going to feed the information they need. So what is content marketing? Some of you might not have ever heard of this. You probably know what content is, you probably know what marketing is. When you push those two together, what does that mean? This is the definition from the Content Marketing Institute and I will not read all of that, but this is probably the number one source if you wanted to learn more about uh, content marketing. This is the place where it happens. These are the people that first coined the phrase. These are the people that came up with the definition that's used in a lot of the circles in marketing. But the things that really stand out from there are valuable, relevant, and consistent content. 
And what I mean by valuable is, when you put your content out there, is it really helping your parents? Is it really helping your students? Is it really helping your teachers? You can't just sell to people anymore. You can't just sell, sell, sell. Oh, join this club. It's got the best robotics. You can't, you can't do that anymore. You gotta feed them down those funnels, the marketing funnels they call it. You have to give them the information. They are so used to finding information that they're not going to buy the first tell, time you tell them to buy. They're gonna to wanna to get that information. But if you provide valuable information, that is gonna help them and you become the trusted source. Relevant, it's all about knowing your audience. What information do they want? An elementary school parent is not going to want to know probably about the graduation rate in your school district. It's one of the top things that they boast in our school district. We started thinking about it and we did a lot of things. People really don't, especially parents, they don't really care too much about the district as a whole. Now, if you have a small school district, a small community school district, that might not be the case. But parents care about where they're sending their child to school, and even more specific, what teacher is with their student every day and what's going on in my child's classroom. They might care a little bit about the feeder pattern and what's going to happen in the future, but I'm telling you, they care the most about the everyday interactions that happen with their child now. Are they being loved? Are they being attended to? Is the curriculum right for my child at this stage of their life? That is where, I'm a parent, and I really haven't looked much about what's going on in the high schools. I have a little bit of a glimpse, because my wife's a teacher, what's going on in the high schools, and I know a little bit about what's happening in our high schools. But I care about my son getting the curriculum he needs now in that classroom. So some of the ways we're promoting some of our school districts, you really need to drill down and find your audience and be relevant to that audience. And then consistent content. You can't just do it one day and think that you've done content marketing. You need to have a plan, you need to have an editorial calendar, you need to be consistent with the amount of information you're putting out there and on the same day, the same time, um, it's, it's crucial because parents are gonna start looking for that if you are consistent. They're gonna keep coming back and looking for the next big blog post or the next big podcast. They're gonna want consistency. And that second part of the definition, to attract and retain a defined audience. And I just said that, you have to know your audience. It's one of the most important things when you're developing a content marketing plan. You have to know what they want. You also have to know what pain they're experiencing inside your district or in their other district. You need to know all those different things in their lives because it's gonna be a different way you're going to advertise through them, how you're gonna present your product and present your information. And I bet if you Google content marketing, maybe you did before just to see what this was all about, you probably got blog a lot. Blog, 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 blog. That's a great tool, but there are thousands of other ways that you can put out content and that you can be impactful with your community. It's all about knowing your audience. Would they rather listen to a podcast on the way to work? Would they rather watch a video series? Would they rather have a question and answering session with teachers? There's tons of stuff 
There's different ways, infographics you could put out there. There's different ways that you can present content marketing. It's not all just about blogs. So what are some of the benefits if you decide, if I've convinced you, maybe we should shift a little bit of our money from traditional into this content marketing craziness. So what are the benefits, the true benefits that you're going to see when you start using content marketing? Well, number one, SEO. That's search engine optimization. Google is all about valuable content on their pages. So if you're producing valuable content that is going to be liked and really appreciated by your audience, that is gonna rank higher in the Google algorithm for SEO than any type of content. You need SEO because you do not, you have to be ranked on that first page as a school district. You have to be ranked. If you're not, how many people actually click at the little bottom and says go to the next page and they're really in a hurry looking for something? It's all about that front page. Content marketing will help you grow your optimization on Google. And basically being on the first page of Google, when someone searches for best schools in Minneapolis and your school district comes up first, that's big time free advertising. Big time, because they're gonna trust that. It's number one on Google. Second one, relationships. You're starting to form those relationships with your parents and your students. You give them great content, they're gonna like you for it. If you're giving them a blog about um, the 10 steps of how to identify a gifted student, and they think their student is gifted, and then they run through these little steps, and they send their kid to get tested, and they become gifted, you're gonna have a friend for life. The content that helps it's all about help. It's all about helping people. When you help someone, they get a big smile on their face and they're, you know, a friend. It's all about help, help, help. Form those relationships. Then you become the expert on that topic. So if your content marketing deals with, you know, kindergarten, how to prepare for kindergarten, um, how to prepare for the CTE, um, splur, you know, the, the things that are coming up in CTE. Uh, you talk about academies in the school district. You talk about how to get financial aid for your seniors in college. That's all content. They're going to keep going back to you because they loved your content. You are going to become the expert. And when you become the expert, they're going to send their kids to the experts. Everyone wants their kid to be with the experts. It's all about becoming the expert. And the biggest one, by far, is trust. You keep putting out this content, they're going to trust you. Remember when I said people distrust their friends and their family? Well, if you give them good content on a consistent basis and it's helping them, and it's helping them go through the process of taking their kid to the next level in their education, they are going to trust you they're gonna to want to come back and get more and more information from you. They're gonna disregard the great schools because all great schools is putting numbers up there. They don't help the parent through the process of putting their kid in school. But if you help them, you gain their trust, that's where it's gonna become really, really powerful. And I put this up here. This gives you a little stats about when companies create content that helps 
Look at the numbers of how people feel about that content. 61% feel better about a company that delivers content. People spend 50% of their time online looking at content. So you gotta have content out there. 70% prefer getting to know a company through articles rather than face-to-face -face or doing that. So they want to see your content before they want to get closer to you. 90% customers feel custom content is useful for like if you give them a certain piece of content that goes just for kindergartners, those parents are gonna love it. They're gonna think it's great. But the most powerful one that I got from a book called Millennials with Kids. If you have, if you have not read that this book, Millennials with Kids, it's incredible because guess what? We make fun of millennials being the teenagers and slacking off and being entitled. Guess what? They have kids and they're going to be in your elementary schools. They already are. So you really need to concentrate on that demographic because that's going to be your future. That's going to be your future growth in your school district. But from this book, 71, this is going to be, a lot of people might gasp when they hear this, 71% of mom and dads say they get their parental advice about how to raise their child from mommy blogs and social media. It is hard raising a kid. How many have kids? It's hard, right? I have gray hair. I was also a teacher, but I have gray hair. It's hard raising a kid, especially this day and age with all the stuff going on. Should we let them watch our iPad? Should we let them, you know, how much hours of homework should they have? Do, do, are they allowed to, you know, why don't they play outside anymore? My kid can't ride a bike yet. And he's blah, 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 blah. So can you believe how hard it is? You know why it's hard? Because the, I, I, this was at an INSPIR conference, my first INSPIR conference that I ever went to uh, was in Baltimore. And a group came in and they did a study on public education. And they said the number one reason why parents pick a school district is because they want to look competent as parents. So think about that. They're getting their advice because they pretty much know what they don't know what they're doing. So they have to go online and try to find the best advice possible so they can brag that I send my kid to such and such uh, academy. And so, you know, I, I thought the best thing was when uh, my baseball games when I was a little kid and you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s and my dad had the big VHS camera, right? And he used to take it and back then you couldn't just have your phone and film each at bat. The dads had to film every single moment of the game, right? So you'd see him walking in the grass with it going, you know, you could see him just sort of talking with my mom and some of that. And the funniest thing about those broadcasts were that on that VHS tape, he was sitting next to my mom, and what did the moms do during the game while the kids were playing? They would gossip about schools, about teachers, about their neighbors, things like that. So if you go back and listen to some of those things, you could get a case study about elementary, you know, raising your elementary kid and what parents feel is the best. It is crazy out there. So parents are always trying to feel as a competent parent. They are scared they're gonna mess up. They want that help. They need that help. Give them that help. Don't let someone else give them that help. You give it to them so you become the expert. 
So how do you get started in content marketing? How do you, how do you even go about developing this process? Well, the first thing you need to do pretty much with anything in marketing or communications, you have to set your goals. You have to know what you want to achieve. You can't just go out there and say, oh, we're gonna put some blog posts out there. We're gonna do a superintendent uh, podcast. Everyone's gonna love that. You gotta have a goal for each campaign that you run, for each thing that you're gonna put out there. You need to have a goal. And I know you've heard about this before, but they need to be smart specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely, they have to fall into those categories. You can't just put stuff out there to put stuff out there. You need to have, I want my kindergarten enrollment to increase by 3% next year by using content marketing. That is a smart goal. It tells you how you're gonna do it, when you're gonna do it, and it gives you a percentage of how much you want to increase. That way you can go back and you can see how and why maybe you didn't achieve that 3% if that, if that is your goal. So always be thinking of the goal in mind. And this is the biggest, biggest one. I know I've already said this, but define your audience. Know your audience. It is so powerful, especially with content marketing. It's so easy to drill down and research your audiences. It's so easy to target those people through certain types of content. We're not doing, like I said, just blast it everywhere and hopefully someone's gonna see it. Do you know how many people drive by a billboard that have no association with your school district? But did you know you can do a digital billboard on Instagram and Facebook, call a Facebook ad, an Instagram ad, a messenger ad, where you're gonna define it to the exact people you want to send it to. So they're more likely to click, they're more likely to be engaged, and they're more likely to, to follow through the whole process and join your school district. What we do in our school district is create audience personas. And what that does is it drills down deep about who we're trying to target. We don't just say, all right, we're going to do elementary school parents. We don't do that. We drill down even further. We do gender. We look at the different cultures that make up our elementary schools. We look at the geographic regions within our school district because we have some really different neighborhoods that require different messaging and different types of content. What's their day in their life? Are they stay-at-home moms where if we knocked on the doors and went out and gave them some content, would they be home? Or do they work three jobs and they can't come to events and things like that? Would Facebook Live be better so they can watch it whenever they want to in their pajamas after they put their kids to bed and make the school lunches and then get ready for their third job of the night? What's going to be the best approach? You've got to drill down, drill down, drill down. And I think the most important thing is, because you can solve these, what are their pain points? What are their worries and fears that they go to bed each night worrying about their child the next day at school? Maybe about their kid about to attend public school. Maybe their kid's switching to middle school. That's the big one for us. Nobody wants to go to middle school. All the parents are scared to death of middle school. I was a middle school teacher for five years. I was scared to death of middle school. So um, it is hard. 
So really figure out who your audience is. What part of the marketing funnel are they in? Have they had experiences with their school? Are they brand new to your community? You really need to define your audience. We have personas. We have about 10 or 12 different personas we make up for each marketing campaign. And we do different content and different types of ads and different types of things to those different audiences. You can't just do a blanket thing anymore because one person's pain point is not going to be someone else's. And I'll talk about that in just a second. Content ideas and planning. This is the brainstorm part. This is actually the fun part where you look at your audience data and you look at your audience personas. Then you start developing what you think is going to resonate with that audience. We looked at this list, but you can Google content marketing techniques or top content marketing techniques. You can find a bunch of stuff that might work with your audience. Our younger audience, Facebook Live is unbelievable especially for some of the question answering things we do about the specific grade levels and the specific programs we have. Facebook Live has worked wonders for us. Also blogs, believe it or not, people still want to read. They love the blogs because they're interactive and they have, we usually put checklists in there and we put things that they can use to help their student and to help their um, child as they grow. But figure out what content is going to resonate with your audience. Is it still going to be email? Is it going to be social media? Is it going to be infographics? You need to figure out your audience. Then next, after you do that, after you do your brainstorm, this is where the content creation comes in. This is where you actually develop your content. You make the schedules. How consistently are you going to post it? Where is it going to be posted at? Your website or a specific blog or on iTunes as a podcast? Is it going to be on YouTube? Is it going to be on Facebook video? You need to know where you're going to post it. It's important. You have to act like a publisher. And I know a lot of you have news backgrounds and work with newspapers, television stations. Think about the process you went through when you created content and you created a story. You just didn't put it out there because it's the morning. You got to have something on Facebook this morning. So you just do it real quick. You got to go through the process. You got to know your audience, the who, what, when, where, and why. You need to know all that stuff, but you also need to put it together in a way people, it's going to resonate with people. Do you need graphics? Do you need a video attachment? Do you need to put longer form content of writing or does it need to be very, very short? You need to figure that stuff out, and that's all in the content creation page. You need to act like you are a publisher, and your team needs to help you. Find the strengths of your team. Do you need to ask your graphic designer to make something for your content? Do you need to find pictures that are going to work with your content, that are not stock footage, that are real kids that go to your school district? Because I will tell you, we have an opt-out policy for our kids um, in our school district where we don't um, really uh, worry as much because it's an opt-out policy of whose pictures we can take. We just have a list of people that have opted out of taking pictures and we don't put them in the pictures. But here's the complaint we always get when we post pictures. It's not like, you put my son and daughter on Facebook? No, it's, you didn't put my son or daughter on Facebook? So go out there and figure out what is needed in your content to really make the biggest splash possible. 
And then content distribution. Where, what pipeline are you going to put your content in? Where are you going to publish this? And there's three categories that Mario is going to take us on real quick. But the first one is owned. That's going to be your website. That's going to be your blog, your podcast. It's going to be a little bit about social media. However, I'm very hesitant to say that uh, owned, you really own Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram because things change all the time. Look at the, the bad word in marketing right now is algorithm because they're destroying us on organic reach. So I don't know if social media is really owned because Zuckerberg and all those guys can change whatever they want at any time and you could be out of luck. So be very careful about thinking social media is owned. You're borrowing that land, you're renting that land from the social media networks. Paid, I'm a big, huge advocate of paid social media and paid advertising on YouTube pre-rolls, Instagram stories, um, ads on Facebook, those work so well. The problem is if you're not on a board doing this, probably in the next 12 to 18 months, they're not gonna work as well because it's a business. Once all these big companies start figuring out that they need to be on Facebook, all the prices are gonna go up, 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 up. This is the perfect time to use that platform, juice as much as you can out of it, to advertise on it, to put your content on it, it works really well. We have seen tremendous success with Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and even Snapchat filters. Before every homecoming game, before the graduation, we create Snapchat filters the kids used. Our last one for um, homecoming, 48,000 views because they shared it so much and things like that, little filters they put over their pictures. So it's powerful, it's powerful paid. And earn the most coveted, coveted distribution channel, earn. You want other people to share your content. You want your content to be so good that you have people sharing it. This is like the highest thing you can achieve in content distribution. Earned, earned, earned. Your influencers, the people that are really out there making a difference that are not associated with your school district, when they share your content, that is like, oh, it's so important. You want that to happen. You need to figure out ways that it's going to be shareable content because that's powerful. Because it all goes back to that trust. They trust their friends and their family. And when their friends share something, they're more likely to share it. They're more likely to like it. So that earned is the biggest thing that you could do to really contribute to making an impact on your marketing. Okay, fueling the content. I'm getting to it right now. Social media. You have to figure out a way to amplify your content. You need to figure out a way. You can't just put it on a blog and think people are going to show up. You need to put it out there and you need to tell people about it. Fueling the content with social media is probably the best thing you can do. You look at this chart right here. You can look at some of the different platforms that our parents are on. This is probably going to be the biggest platform our parents are going to be on, this little two rows right here. Facebook is still king. I know everyone always says, people are leaving Facebook. Nobody's on Facebook. Here's my theory. As long as people have graduations from college, they get engaged, they go on a trip, 
every month it seems like my friends are going on trips but or they have a new kid that takes his first step or they got a new dog or they yeah whatever people are going to be on facebook why because they love to brag about themselves people are not going to leave facebook you're going to see people leave facebook the younger age because it's not cool but once those kids go to college what do you think is going to be the connection between mommy and daddy and their grandparents they're going to get back on facebook secretly and they're going to share their content with their family. It might not be sharing it with their friends, but they're going to share it with their family. People are on Facebook. Two billion people, to be exact, on a daily basis are on Facebook. Don't think that Facebook is dying. You still need to be on there. It's still our most powerful driver back to our website, back to our calls to action is Facebook. Then YouTube, of course, is huge. LinkedIn is not as big because people are still trying to discover, but we have found about recruiting teachers, every college student has to create a LinkedIn page when they're in college. It's like a thing in one of their classes. So we've started to use LinkedIn to contact some of our teachers and some of the things that we've been doing um, with recruiting teachers. Then you have Snapchat and of course Instagram. And yesterday a report came out, Instagram just passed um, Snapchat as the leading uh, app for all teenagers. So they are not using Snapchat as much. They are not on there. They're all going back or staying on Instagram. Our Instagram numbers and our Instagram engagement has gone through the roof the last couple months. But you need to be careful because once Facebook figures that out, they are going to change the algorithm and make it beneficial to get money for their district. They're in both places, but I will tell you that more and more parents are on Instagram. I mean, we have a strong parent group that's on Instagram. They'll share all the stories. They're looking for their kids because they know their kids are going to be on there, their pictures of their kids. Uh, the kids are on there, the teenagers. A lot, what's working very well is a lot of, all of our high schools have created Instagram pages. Those have gone through the roof in viewership. Um, we also have Instagram takeovers. We allow the students to take over the Instagram accounts. We get about 500 new followers every time we do that. And our engagement, you know, like I said, goes through the roof because the students are creating the content and it's cool then. If some old guy with gray hair does it, it's not going to be as funny, but I'm pretty funny, so I don't know why they don't like some of my stuff. But, um, but Instagram, I think, is going to be the next big thing of that you really, really need to be concentrating on. And just like with anything else, everyone always says, our district's never going on Facebook. We're never going to do that. Well, guess what? Everyone's on Facebook. So the same thing's happening with Instagram and Snapchat. My district's never going on Instagram. That's the devil. Well, you are. You're just, you're just really behind, and you're losing out on engagement and interacting with your audiences. But you will. You'll be there just like you're all on Facebook. And your schools don't even block Facebook anymore. So hey, there. So, um, but if you look at this, but you have to remember, you have to remember with these stats, Facebook is a business. Still wired in? 
You issued 24 million new shares of stock. You were told that if new investors came How much along, were your shares diluted? How much were his? What was Mr. Zuckerberg's ownership share diluted down to? It wasn't. What was Mr. Moskowitz's ownership share diluted down to? It wasn't. What was Sean Parker's ownership share diluted down to? It wasn't. What was Peter Thiel's ownership share diluted down to? It wasn't. And what was your ownership share diluted down to? 0.03%. You signed the papers. You set me up. You're going to blame me because you were the business head of the company and you made a bad business deal with your own company. This is going to be like I'm not a part of Facebook. It won't be like you're not a part of Facebook. You're not a part of Facebook. My name's on the masthead. You might want to check again. It's because I froze the account? I think we were going to let you parade around in your ridiculous suits pretending you were running this Sorry, company. Sorry! My Prada's in the cleaners! Along with my hoodie and my flip-flops, you pretentious All right. So you can see Facebook is a business. It broke up two best friends. But they are all about getting the most money for their shareholders. Yeah, they love their community. They're not going to hurt their community. But organic reach on social media, especially Facebook, is plummeted. You know when you used to be able to put stuff out there for your school district and it would show up everywhere and all the parents would see it and everyone would be happy? And now about 5% of your parents see your content? And you really have to boost it. You really have to promote it to be able to have that happen. You have to have key people sharing it to make more and more people see it. And then someone's mad or the principals are mad. Well, you shared Rosemead Elementary on Facebook, but you didn't put mine. Well, we did. You just didn't see it because you're not interacting with our Facebook page enough. So organic reach is plummeting. So you have to pay to play. And that sounds really bad. A lot of board members don't like it. A lot of superintendents don't like it. You're going to have to start paying to play on social media. And what I mean by that is social media ads, boosting posts. You're going to have to start paying for your content to be seen. But what I always try to convince my board members and my superintendent is this. Marketing is an investment. Just like that ROI I was talking about earlier on, we're trying to find the best things and the best possible content, the best part of advertising to return an investment. So if you do a killer campaign and it costs, let's say $1,000 and you get one student from that to come to your school district, it might not look glitzy and it might not look, you know, like sexy, like, oh, you got one person. But in our school district, we get about seven to $8,000 per student when someone comes in. So that $1,000 gave us a profit of about $6,000. That's a return on investment. So you got to remember that marketing is an investment and you got to convince people that when you do things, it's all for the good of the company and the investment. Sergio Zyman, if you haven't read his book, The End of Marketing as We Know It, it's a long time ago. I got it in college, but it is very powerful still. He talks about how investing in marketing is crucial, but doing it the right way. Um, does anyone remember the Mean Joe Green commercial for Coca-Cola? All right, so that is regarded as one of the best commercials of all time. It always ranks on there in the Super Bowl things and the you know, best commercials of all time. Number one, Mean Joe Green, Coca-Cola. So do you know that Sergio Zyman, he was CMO at Coca-Cola during that time? He actually pulled that ad after two months. 
You know why? It wasn't selling Coca-Cola. It made people feel good. It made people love the fact that Mean Joe Green had a heart. But guess what? It did not sell Coca-Cola. Actually, sales declined. So the best commercial of all time, some people consider, was pulled after two months because it wasn't giving a return on the investment. So another thing is marketing is an investment. Don't fall in love just because you love the colors you use, the pictures you use, and the, the content that you used. If it's not working and you're not seeing a spike and you're not seeing people enroll, you're not seeing people, your analytics go up on the certain websites you're trying to get to, just remember marketing is an investment. It goes both ways. You have to convince your higher-ups that it's working. You can't just say marketing is an investment and go spend a million dollars marketing somewhere. It's got to work. It's got to be a return on your investment. And the best thing about social media, and that's why I bring it up so much about return on your investment, you can hyper-target your audience. You can really drill down and really get the audience that you want to attack and that you want to market to. So here's a couple of examples. Let's say I'm opening up a new gym with a daycare. So you can go on Facebook and Instagram and say, I want to target female mothers with preschool age kids who are fans of 24 hour fitness. And you can send an ad to every one of those people on Facebook. That's powerful. Instead of putting up a billboard saying, new fitness gym in Minnesota, it, that's not gonna be as impactful as you're actually gonna send them a direct ad to their Facebook about your gym and you know they're already a parent, they have preschool parents, they're gonna use the daycare, it's powerful. What about a cruise line that departs, I use Galveston because I'm from Texas, but so you're gonna target newly engaged couples who live in Texas that have been searching for honeymoon trips. You can do that on Facebook. It's crazy, you can look at that stuff and it's very, very powerful what you can drill down. Custom suit designer, I'll do one more. Millennial men who just started a new job that recently moved to Dallas. Well, if you're a custom suit designer, you're gonna send ads to all those people that moved to Dallas that are about to start a new job, they need a new suit, bam, you have an ad for them. Same thing for education. You're opening up a new STEM academy at one of your elementary schools. You might want to target the Asian Indian population because what for our research, they're really, really big on STEM and in a certain geographical area and make sure they have kids that are going to be in elementary school. Make an ad, target using those criteria, boom. Have to have some kind of call to action to get them to the next step, but you can hyper-target these people. It is powerful, powerful, powerful. And it all comes back to looking at your data. If you do not have Google Analytics set up on your website, if you're not tracking Facebook insights every day, Twitter analytics, the Instagram analytics, if you have not changed your Instagram account to a business account, because you don't think we're not a business, we're an education, change it to a business account. You have to be able to look at those analytics. You have to be knowing what's going on behind the scenes. You have to know what's working. Analytics 
will redefine everything that you're doing if you look at the correct information. You can look at what type of people are going to your website. You can look at what time of day people are going to your website, how long they spend on your page. You can look at page views, of course. You can look at a whole flow of, okay, they started on this page, then they went to this page, then they went to this page, then they exited. Well, why did they exit there? Let's come up with a hypothesis. It's so much data is out there and it's free. It is free data. And a lot of people are not taking advantage of that. And especially the Facebook pixel, put the Facebook pixel on your website, on all of your websites, every page, because Facebook will take that data from your Facebook pixel and they will target people that went to your page. So you can run ads of people that visited your pages. You can even do this, Facebook. I want to run an ad where people went to the application page but did not hit submit on the application. And you can create an ad that says, hey, what happened? You're on our page, you're all ready to go. Hit submit, your kids could have a wonderful education. Boom, that's an ad and it will just target the people that went to that page and did not click submit on their application. It's powerful, it is powerful, it is so much you can do. And knowing your analytics and knowing your data is gonna take it a step further because you actually get to redo the steps in the content marketing process. Your analytics are gonna tell you what step something went wrong. What step you need to change. Okay, maybe we shouldn't have targeted the Asian Indian uh, community. Maybe we should have targeted the Hispanic community in this, this ad. Okay, um, did we put it in the right places? Did we use the right social media ads to drive people to that site? So look at your analytics on every platform. See how they match up. See how you can do a better job creating your marketing, creating your content marketing by using analytics. So I'm gonna take you through a quick little examples of what we've done in our district. So this is the true story of six uh, strategic communication members who created a campaign for kindergarten. So I, this is the real world. We're talking about real world examples here. I'm going to show you some of the processes. First, I'm going to talk about our kindergarten campaign that we did. And then I'm also going to talk about how we recruited teachers. So first off, the real world. We wanted to promote kindergarten through content marketing because a lot of our parents had questions. And we wanted to take those questions and develop content around them to help them make the best decision for their child. So our goal by doing this campaign, this is our SMART goal, we wanted to use content marketing to raise kindergarten enrollment by 3%. So that was our SMART goal. So 3%, we thought that was attainable. We thought if we really marketed these programs and really marketed using content marketing, we could get a 3% enrollment boost in our kindergarten people coming into our schools. Because what we thought was, once you get them at kindergarten, you can show them the love, show them the great things that are happening in the school and they're more likely to stay. So we wanted to capture them young at this campaign. So we had to define our audience. And a lot of times this is the hardest part of developing your content marketing campaign is defining the audience. So I went out on my own and I did all of these things. Parent interviews. I got parents that were at preschool level 
and I went to all the preschools and I interviewed parents. What are you looking for in kindergarten? What are you scared of? Uh, what do you think the best situation is for your child? I just asked them several simple questions. I did some individual interviews and also did some table interviews with a bunch of the parents sitting around. I delved down and really figured out what they wanted out of a kindergarten class. I did surveys, I did monkey sur um, uh, survey monkey. And I sent it out to the different uh, preschools, some of our kindergarten moms and dads that are already in our district. I asked them specific questions that might help our campaign. I did teacher interviews. What best place to work is the one people that the parents trust are usually the teachers. They're not going to trust the principal a lot of times. Sorry, principals, because when they were little, they got sent to the principal's office when they got bad, right? So they trust their teachers in the classroom that are caring and loving for their student every day. So we did teacher interviews. What are you hearing? What's the word on the street? What are parents complaining about? What are they saying is tough about making the transition from preschool to kindergarten? Let us know. Personas, like I said, we developed personas of all of our people. We did round tables with our PTA and some of our higher ups just to see what they have been hearing. And of course we did some phone interviews. I phoned people that have left our district and got their insight. Why did you leave? Was there something that we did? Was it something you heard about another school? Why did you leave our place of education? And from that what bubbled up were the pains that they were experiencing and the gains that they wanted. And this flipped our whole process because we found out things that were completely different about what we thought was gonna happen. So we thought, oh yeah, let's implement rigorous curriculum, let's do all these high-tech programs, let's get this really, you know, the stuff rocking and rolling, they're gonna love us because we're putting, you know, these big huge science labs in kindergarten, these big, you know, rocket programs, all this stuff, let's, yeah, let's do that. Then when we interviewed all these parents, we found out that the main thing that was causing them not to want to enroll their child in kindergarten was fear. Fear of the unknown, and fear of not just, is my kid gonna get a good education? No, fear about, how do I drop them off for carpool? Um, do they get to eat lunch? Can I come to eat lunch with them once a week? Um, is, uh, is this like, can I walk them to class each day? Or what's, what's going on? So they were scared about the processes and the way things, because it sort of goes back to, am I a competent parent? They wanted to know this. So we flipped our whole strategy. We went from really, saying we were going to boost our uh, STEM programs and our, you know, our fine arts programs. And we went back to the drawing board and we left it up to the experts. We recruited our teachers, our trusting teachers, to be the voice of our campaign. They created the content. They created the blog posts. They created the videos with our help. But it was their face. It was their ideas and it was their trusting information that really hit it big with the parents. So we created a hub where all parents would feel comfortable going to, and that turned into like a blog sort of pillar page for all things kindergarten. We put blog posts up there, we put videos, we put checklists, we put as much content on there to make people comfortable about sending their child to kindergarten. Some of those articles were 
how drastic has kindergarten changed in the last 25 years? It's not just finger painting anymore, right? They're actually learning in kindergarten. So we did an article on that. We did an article about five awesome articles you can find on the internet to help prepare your child for kindergarten. So we were helping them. We were helping them through blog articles, through videos, help, help, help. And then we began to feed the content or fuel that content through social media. We shared it organically. We promoted some of the posts. We did ads, putting these blog posts in the Facebook ad. We started sending out this content. We wanted parents to see this content and go back to the kindergarten website. We wanted to return customers. So we started sending this out, sending this out on social media. And in those blog posts, as we started creating more blog posts and more videos, we put small little ads in the body of the blog to invite them to an event we called Live on Facebook Kindergarten Live. And what we did is we had seven expert teachers, kindergarten teachers, and we had a round table and we went Facebook Live. And we basically had a big question and answer online where parents could submit their questions ahead of time. We gave them a chance to put it into a database ahead of time, but also during the live event, they would comment and we would answer their questions. So it was basically a forum where parents could become more comfortable about the kindergarten process. Then when that was over, I downloaded it and cut it up. Each individual question that was asked, I cut it up into its own separate video. Put it on YouTube, create its own playlist, and I put that content back on the kindergarten site. And we started fueling more and more content. People that missed the event, that just wanted to know specific questions, they could go to a list and go, boom. What does a typical day look like on kindergarten? Boom. How does carpool work? They can click on that question and just watch the one minute version instead of watching the whole hour of kindergarten live. It worked really, really well because it was able to drive more and more, 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 more people back to the kindergarten website. Then we decided to put up a lead magnet or something that the, we knew the parents would really, really like. So we put up a checklist of how to prepare your student for kindergarten. And we put this at the very top of the web page. And when they click there, they had to fill in their email address and their first and last name. So we had thousands and thousands and thousands of people download this content. Why? Because it was a helpful checklist and they wanted their child to be prepared for kindergarten. So they wanted that checklist. So we built an email database and we didn't drop these emails into our big district newsletter. No, we created a kindergarten niche newsletter. So what did we do after that? We started sending out content through that email. It was a weekly newsletter for kindergarten parents or future kindergarten parents. And all we did was put more blog posts. We talked about where you can find some of our schools, um, come to some of our events that are happening on the campus, um, more articles and things that it might be relevant to what their child needs to hear about preparing them for kindergarten. So we just kept out putting out more and more and more great content. It's all about feeding the marketing funnel. It's all about getting into a place where you're going to feel comfortable about finally asking them to buy your product or enroll in your schools. So what we did is we put this 
organic social media, paid social media, print material, blog posts, Facebook Live, it all drove people back to that kindergarten website. That was our main goal through all of our stuff, drive them back to that kindergarten website. And from there, we eventually posted that opt-in guide about the, the checklist I was talking about. And so many people downloaded that, we were able to have another channel of content going out, a kindergarten newsletter with useful content, invite them to events, remind them of tours happening on campuses. We did teacher profiles and everything right there in this content. Yeah, Andrea? What platform did you use to get the email So, okay, so at the time, MailChimp did not have this um, part as part of their uh, thing. So we use a thing called Lead Pages. It's leadpages.net that we use. It's only like, I think, $300 a year. And it allows you to create landing pages to do um, this and opt in. But now MailChimp has free landing pages that you can use to do the certain type of thing. And it's free with your MailChimp account if you have MailChimp. So landing pages have become very, very popular in our marketing department because we are building these niche lists who we want to contact and who we want to uh, pursue with our content. So, and here's the next phase, the next example. I'll let you watch this video. How can we make our community better? What will push us further? Who will make the future brighter? The reason I became a teacher was to have a positive influence on my students. It's important for them to have somewhere where they have a good, strong, positive role model. I wanted uh, somewhere where I could have a home base and feel like I could grow as a teacher and where I could also have students that were willing to grow and learn with me. Building those relationships and building their confidence is something, you know, that I feel has an impact on kids. Just motivation. So if I can inspire those kids to be better, that's my goal. Welcome to Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD, an incredible place to learn, teach, and live. One of the highest starting salaries in the surrounding area is just the first of many exciting benefits that provide opportunities to develop your career. Discover your home, share a laugh, and connect with other leaders in the thriving Dallas Metroplex. One of the things that's so great about Dallas is that you have a lot of variety of things that you can do. I'm originally from Sacramento, California, so learning you know, about the history and culture of Dallas is really cool to me. I've heard so many awesome things about CFB from around Dallas, around the DFW area. When I got here, all of it was completely true. I chose CFB to be closer to family and also the atmosphere of the staff makes you feel at home. With access to world-class mentors and room for growth, we provide all of the resources and training our teachers need to become the future leaders in education. Just the fact that I have so many people that are there to help me when I need it, it's helping me be a better teacher because I have more confidence in myself. The teachers are so willing to help out our administration. They're, they seem super supportive, and so all those things made me want to teach here and stay here. We are creating a family of extraordinary educators who love what they do and are passionate about making the world a better place. Start your teaching journey today by visiting www.cfbjobs.com. So basically what the superintendent came to our department with was 
the task of, you guys did a great job on the kindergarten campaign. We want help recruiting teachers. HR needs help. So this is the flip side. This is another example of how we use content marketing to develop a platform for future teachers. So what we did, first off, I'm gonna go through this one a little bit quicker, but we really started to analyze our target market of teachers that were gonna come into our area straight out of college. And of course, it was the millennials. Like I said, millennials get a bad rap, things like that. But what we started to do when we were researching the millennials, of course, a lot of that stuff wasn't true, the stereotypes, but we found out there was categories of millennials. It wasn't just millennials. We had early millennials, recessionist millennials, and millennials with kids. So these two we really concentrated on for our college campaign that we created. We started looking at the early millennials. Early millennials are the ones where they saw, they grew up during the 80s, they saw their you know, parents, rah, rah, wolf of Wall Street, Wall Street, greed is good, you know, let's make some money, yeah, everyone has a job, boo, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were all sort of the more relaxed and a little bit more crazier millennials. But the millennials you're starting to see now coming out of college, they're gonna become your teachers, are the recessionist millennials. These are the millennials that grew up during 9-11 they grew up during the Great Recession where they saw their parents lose maybe one, two, three jobs in one year. And they are a completely different set of people. They're a little bit more conservative, maybe not necessarily on their dress, but they're a little bit more conservative. But they pride themselves on culture, finding the best work environment. And I'll show you some of the things that they really told us they wanted and through the research they wanted. First off, a job with a purpose. 9-11 really shook them through a loop. They want to have a job where they can make a difference and they have a purpose every day when they go into that job. So first part of our campaign was really sharing and showcasing the purpose of becoming a teacher and becoming um, really uh, a good person. Then opportunity for growth and interest in the work. They want leadership opportunities. So we put things in place in our district, sort of a spin on content marketing where um, aspiring principals, aspiring leadership, aspiring assistant principals. So we had professional development set up through the year where they met on a consistent basis of learning about becoming a principal and becoming a better educator. So it's all about growth. Then company culture. And we took that a step further because we felt that this is a huge time in their life, huge. They were about to start their new job. So company culture also goes around friend culture, community culture. So a lot of things that we built, a lot of things we put into place were all about the community and really about how to make it as a new person, new job without your parents paying for your stuff. So we use that to our advantage. And then money and stability, it's about salary still. They want money and they want stability. They saw their parents lose a bunch of jobs. They want that stability. But what we did is we took a spin on the kindergarten blog and page and we created a site called Teaching in Dallas. And you notice it doesn't even really advertise our school district. That's the ultimate content marketing. 
not selling anything, but giving out valuable information. So we set up this page for anyone that was interested in teaching in Dallas, and we posted articles, everything from classroom management to uh, stylish clothes to wear as a first-year teacher, where to eat in the Dallas community where you can meet new people and eat. Uh, we even have like things to do and events that are happening in all the communities, things that are happening in Dallas. And then we have content marketing down here. 10 reasons to teach in Dallas, the benefits. Then we started to sneak in a little bit about our school district, who is CFB, upcoming events, um, how to get education credits. And then right there, Dallas teaching jobs. We had a little thing on there. So they came for the content. Like, oh, what, what kind of skirt should I wear? And how much money should I spend, you know, to be a teacher? You know, what, what do they wear? Are they allowed to wear yoga pants in the classroom? So, um, but then we, we put that down there. And guess where that link goes? Does it go to all the Dallas teaching jobs and all of Dallas-Fort Worth? No, it goes to Carrollton Farmers Branch teaching jobs. Because we took the time to give you all this content. There's actually a lot more, like best barbecue places. And so there's a bunch of content on this page called Teaching in Dallas. So we advertise this with the college students that want to come back to Dallas to teach. And it's basically a hub where they can interact with different people and interact with people that are like them and get tips of how to become a teacher, how to dress like a teacher, how to interact, and things like that. It's a great, great concept. And it's, it's just fueling that content that they want to see to make us the trusting source in education. And hopefully they're going to choose our district to really grab onto and really join as a district. It's all about this theory the kindergarten thing, the uh, college recruitment thing. It's all about jab, 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 right hook. Does anyone know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? He's this real hyped up marketing guy. He's, he's worth $500 million, but he basically tells it how it is. He gives his opinions. And he wrote a book about five years ago called Jab, 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 Right Hook. If you don't know boxing, you have the jab, 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 and then your right hook is more of your takeout punch, where you're going to take somebody out with. So he equated that to give a little bit of content, give a little bit of content, give a little bit of content. And when you think they're ready, you've given them enough content, they trust you, boom, right hook, sell them on your district. Have them sign up for enrolling. Do that thing. So you jab with how to dress as a teacher, um, dress code, what's the best dress code? You jab with that. You jab about the checklist for the kindergarten parent that's trying to figure out how to send their kid to kindergarten. The checklist, you jab with that. You jab with that Facebook Live where all these teachers are asking questions, all the questions that want to be asked, all the pain points, everything, that's a jab. Then you boom, you right hook after you really convince them and you sell, sell, sell. Invite them to parent previews, because that's how you get them in, convince them on the sell. You tell them that open enrollment starts today. You click here to enroll. You give them a video about kindergarten, but on the video you send a link to a website where they enroll for kindergarten. Join our schools, uh, visit our school websites for all the tours. So that's the right hook. Give them something they want. Give them something they want. Give them something they want, and then boom, give them something you want. It's a trade-off. You gave them a bunch of content, a bunch of content, a bunch of content. Now it's your turn to ask. So real quick, everything's about driving them to the next part of the customer path. We really want them to go down that funnel. 
That's what content marketing does. It makes them go through that process and it sort of convinces them in a trusting way that you're the best source. So they're going to come with you and enroll in your district. Um, some companies that are really doing a good job on it, Red Bull, that is a media company hidden behind a energy drink company. They have extreme sports television station. They have their own magazine. They have their own record label. It's all about putting out content about the atmosphere and about the people they're trying to hook. They spend billions of dollars on media to get people to eventually drink their drink. So they're a media company hidden in a drink company. Lego, who saw the Lego movie? That was one big, huge content marketing ad. If you think about it, the movie was about Legos and kids playing with Legos and Legos, Legos, Legos. What happens when you go out after you watch that movie? Your kids want to buy Legos. It worked. Not only did it make them a lot of money in Hollywood, but it sold billions and billions and billions of Legos. That's content marketing. Cleveland Clinic, I won't go into much detail, but they write a fabulous blog and they've been writing it for years. And actually they had to spin off their blog into a separate company because it was making so much money. It was basically like health tips and how to stay healthy. So they have like a 15 person staff that just works on their newsletter and their blog about, and this was, came from a hospital in Cleveland. So it's crazy. Content marketing works. But I will say this, she's actually a graduate of CFBISD where I come from. She's a very famous marketing speaker, her name's Shama Hyder. Um, she always says, it's good to go into digital media, but you also need to blend digital and traditional. And just because I said traditional was trash, there are creative ways where you can use that and use that to your benefit when you blend it and use digital platforms and the content marketing. So it's all really about the omni-channel experience. And what I mean by that, if you don't know what omni-channel is, it's about blending every step of the touch point process to get people to buy your product. And in the end, here's some of the trends I see coming up in social media and content marketing, my last minute. Um, customer service is huge. You gotta use your platforms not only for putting out content, but to answering the pain points of your people. If someone puts a comment on that there, you need to answer it and you need to help solve their problem. If someone messages you through Facebook, get to it within 24 hours. Use that as a customer service tool. Micro-influencers, find out the people that are big in your community that are gonna make a difference. Have them share your content. Have them be your ambassadors. Instagram stories, if you're not on Instagram, you're doing the stories, do it today. High, high engagement. Twitch, I already talked about. Facebook events, something as simple as Facebook events, but did you know Facebook did a commercial last month that actually advertised Facebook events? If they're putting money behind it, that means they're gonna put money behind it to show it to more people. Facebook events work. Voice search, the, not the top gift the last two Christmases was the Alexa, the Amazon Echo. It's gonna get more and more powerful as people use search, um, uh, voice to search. You might wanna come up with an app that, you know, what's happening in uh, Minnesota public schools today? And then Alexa tells you all the events going on, all the things, so look into that. I think it might be powerful. And then of course, video content. That's pretty much all I have for today. And if you wanna get with me, uh, give me make sure you can email me and you can ask me more questions. Um, that's my Twitter handle down there. I know a lot of you uh, prefer more on the Twitter. This will be my website for at least one more week. 
I'm actually creating a new website, um, but it will have links on there um, with all my blog articles and things like that. But you can find out some good tips. I share tips, videos, and everything on there. So I really appreciate you having me. And I don't know if there's time for questions or not. Um, probably not. No. Yeah. <laughs> but you'll be around. I'll be around. I'll be hanging out. So thank you so much. Thank you.